Once upon a time. In a land far away. I'm Katrina. And I'm Jeff. And welcome to the Fairy Tellers Podcast. Myth, legend, folklore, fable. We explore what they say about cultures then and now. Grab a hot cup of cocoa and a comfy seat. While we retell you a thing. For our first episode with some good storytelling, we are going to be looking at Cinderella, which I don't know if anybody's ever heard of this tale. It's one of the more obscure. (laughs) (laughs) Cinderella, you say? hmm? So the reason why we picked this one out first is because I figure every single person who is listening has some kind of working knowledge of a Cinderella story. I would assume that it's the Disney version. And fun fact, Disney based their version of that tale off of the one recorded by Charles Perrault. Or Charles Perrault, probably, because he's French, so they don't say the the T at the end. Uh, But yeah, he was a French folklorist. He, like the Brothers Grimm, wrote down tales from the area in France that he lived in. And he actually wrote his tales before the Brothers Grimm. So if you're familiar with Disney, you already have a fun working knowledge of a Cinderella story. And that's the Cinderella story that we're not going to tell you. So the tale that I'm going to tell you is the Jean-Baptiste Basile version. So Jean-Baptiste Basile... He is an Italian, he was actually an Italian soldier, and then he became a member of, like, the king's court, and he started recording fairy tales in Italy, and this is, his version is one of the earliest that talks about, that actually names Cinderella, that it gives her um, that kind of, the combi- the word combination of, like, Lady in the Ashes, Cinderella. So I'm going to tell you his version of the story. So there once was this widowed prince, and he had a daughter who he absolutely adored. And he got her this governess to take care of her, and the governess was constantly just, you're a lovely little girl. And the girl's name was Zazola. Mm. That's fun. I like that. I'm glad that they actually like named their characters. Yeah, before they have just the nickname, it's like she's got a real name. Yeah, the governess. Zazola. Later, the governess. They even tell you like her name was uh, Carmozina. Ooh, I know what I'm naming every dog and cat that I get from here until I run out of names in this story. So, Carmozina took care of Zazola and Zazola loved her governess. But when her dad remarried, he remarried this woman who it just says in the story that this woman who is her stepmom didn't like Zazola and was always giving her dirty looks. And that's the crimes that this woman committed. It just said like she would give the girl sour looks. And knit her eyebrows in a frightful manner. (laughs) 
So Zazola was going to her governess and saying like, I wish you were my mom. I wish you could be my real mommy. Instead of this woman that just gives me the stink eye all the time. (laughs) So the governess was like, well, if you listen to a plan I have and you follow it exactly, maybe I can be your new mommy. Oh, snap. She's been putting some (laughs) thought into this. (laughs) And Zazola was like, I'll do whatever you say because you're so wonderful to me. So the governess said, well, when your dad leaves, you should go to your stepmom and you should ask her if she'll open up this big wooden chest of drawers to get you out some old clothes. Tell her you want to wear old clothes so that you can do some cleaning around the house. And then when she's ducked down looking into this chest of drawers... Drop the lid on her and snap her neck. Oh my gosh. I didn't know this was going to be like Home Alone. (laughs) So Zazola was like, that sounds like a great idea. I see no problem with that because I want you to be my new mommy. What we're going to do is, and I've given this a lot of thought, you're going to kill your stepmom. And then I'll be your new mommy. Yeah, and there's no, absolutely no problem with this. And so... Because giving dirty looks is a crime deserving of death. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) I'm 100% on board. Good. Because the story is about to go there. Oh, man. So so the dad, like, leaves and Zozola does exactly what her governess told her to do. And (laughs) (laughs) straight up murks her stepmom. Yes. This is definitely my favorite version of the story so far. So, yeah, because it's like, it includes like this little girl. Like, I'm just imagining, you know, like the Disney version when she's like, you know, sitting there being like, a dream is a wish your heart makes. And sometimes you have to kill someone to get your wish. She dreamed that her governess could be her mom. And the only way to achieve that dream is to murder so yeah, totally drops the lid of this chest on her stepmom and breaks her neck. She dies. <laughs> so it says after an appropriate amount of mourning, she goes to her dad and is like, you know who's really awesome who'd make a great new stepmommy for me? My governess. And it says in the story that basically like the dad was like, well, I love you so much, honey, and I would do anything for you. And so sure, I'll marry your governess, which I don't know. I don't take my kids' opinions on like on who they who think. should marry. Yeah, because I just feel like their priorities are like all wrong. I'm kind of thinking that the dad and the governess might have been in on this from like the beginning. It was <laughs> like he made sure that he got the most beautiful governess that he could find. Yeah. Why is that important? Well, he's like, you find out. Yeah, he's like, well, uh, you know, just in case. I've already wa- lost one wife. You know, if the second one doesn't outlive me, then I guess I'll... I need someone in the wings. Yeah, most people be, are playing checkers with their relationships. This guy's playing chess. He's got, you know, a few <laughs> moves in advance. So after they get married... Uh, They go off like on their honeymoon and randomly a dove, this little bird flies over to Zazola and is like, if you ever need a favor, the queen of the fairies is willing to do you any favor, which I'm like, 
What did she do to deserve that? <laughs> Murdered someone? I guess like the queen of the fairies didn't like the stepmom either. <laughs> she probably gave her a dirty look. That's why. So, so the queen of the fairies was like, I like how this little child did a murder. If you ever need a favor, I'm here for you. They said, so if you ever need a favor, just go to Zardinia and go to the doves owned by the fairies and tell them that you would like a favor done and like something will be provided to you. So anyway, the new stepmother and the dad, they come back from their honeymoon and for, it says like a week, just like one week, the governess is really, really nice to her. And then the governess is like, oh, surprise, I have six daughters Oh my God. that I've been hiding from everybody. And now they're going to come I, live with us. And guess what? I like every single one of them more than you. Yes. And what's even sadder is that the dad in the story starts to like the stepdaughters better too oh man that they were apparently like so beautiful and so charming that he started to spend more and more time with his new family and uh zazola slowly had to do more and more work until she was always sleeping in front of the fire and getting covered in cinders and they would all call her their little Cinderella cat. Cinderella cat. Cat. Cinderella cat. <laughs> Which I'm like, that's that's interesting. They dehumanized her. That's fun. So, <laughs> so she's the little Cinderella cat, and she was just always, yeah, treated like garbage. So after a while, her dad was going on a trip to Zardinia. And he asked all of his new daughters, like, oh, is there a gift that you would like me to get you while I'm there? And they all, you know, wanted dresses and jewels and all these, like, other things. And Zazola, or Cinderella Cat. <laughs> as she liked to be called. As she liked to be called. <laughs> would... Or probably didn't like. But... <laughs> yeah. So she, would, she went to her dad and she was like, well, can you get me something too? And he was like, oh, where'd you come from? <laughs> Because he's a horrible person is the joke. So, <laughs> <laughs> so what she told him is she's like, when you go to Zardinia, just find a dove and tell the doves that I would like a gift from the fairies. And he's, he's like, like, yeah, okay. <laughs> he's like, okay, that sounds good. But then she said, and I thought this was really interesting. She's like, and if you don't follow through with your promise, you'll neither be able to move forward or go backwards in your journey home. Mark my words. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, dang, girl. <laughs> this is a girl that's already pre premeditatedly committed murder. So, you know, you do not want to mess with her. Seriously, I'm like, this girl's already killed somebody. So, like, yeah, if she threatens you, it's like, oh, yeah, better listen to that. So, of course, he went out to Zardinia, he got all the gifts for the stepdaughters and completely forgot about Zazola. So he gets onto the boat and the boat like wouldn't move forward. And everyone's like, why won't the boat move forward? Like what's going on? So the captain of the boat like fell asleep. It said like, oh, he became very distressed and went to sleep. 
I, I just need a minute, you guys. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I'm really freaked out about the boat. I'm just going to take a nap. And in his dream, a little dove came to him and said, the prince that's on board your ship, he has not fulfilled his promises and the boat won't move until he fulfills his promises. And so the captain wakes up and he goes to find this prince like on the boat. And he's like, hey, I just had a weird dream. Is there something that like you would like to tell the rest of us? Uh, is there something that you forgot to do? A promise that you are breaking? And he was like, oh, crap. Yeah. So he leaves the boat and it says he wanders to the fairy's grotto. And he sees some birds sitting out there and he says, hey, my daughter wanted to say hello to the queen of the fairies. Like, send her regards and is wondering if there's <laughs> anything that they want to do for her. And then a beautiful woman like came out of the cave and was like, oh, I do have something I want to give your daughter. Thank you for asking. And so he gave, she gave him a date tree to carry home, a hoe, a golden pail, and a silk cloth. And he said, take these home to your daughter. These are all gifts for her. And he was like, weird, but okay. So he gets on the boat. The boat moves fine. He's like, here's a bunch of random stuff. And she's like, thank you. So a little bird comes to her. Oh, no, no, no. I think it's like a little bird came to her and told her, or it was explained to the dad, one or the other, that what she needs to do is plant the tree, and then she needs to weed it, weed the ground around it with the hoe, and only water it with the golden pail. And at night to soak up any moisture that's in the ground with the silk cloth. And if she takes good care of the tree, then she will be rewarded. So she does all of that stuff. And it says after only four days. Okay. <laughs> so we don't have to do it for very long. But... Yeah, like you don't have to take care of the tree for very long. So it's I'll... a test. It's not actually, it doesn't matter what happens to the tree. <laughs> yeah, like the tree is magical. It's going to grow regardless of what you're doing. Um, so after four days, it is... The plant has gotten big, as tall as a woman, and then a fairy emerges from it. It says, since you took such good care of this tree, we're going to give you a present. What do you wish for? What's something that you wish for? And Zazola just answered that she would like to be able to like leave the house now and then to go do fun stuff without <laughs> her sisters finding out, which I'm like, oh, that's so sad. She's like, sometimes I'd like to just like leave the house and like just have a day out. <laughs> dream big yeah <laughs> it's like sometimes i just i just want to look nice for five minutes i'm like oh that resonates so hard with me <laughs> <laughs> this is relatable content and so the tree said whenever you want to go out what you should say to me is golden date tree of mine i've weeded you with the little hoe of gold i've watered you with the little pail of gold i've dried you with the cloth of silk now strip yourself and dress me. Jeez. I know. I was like, oh. It starts off really nice and then it gets. Yeah. Now strip yourself. <laughs> Risque. So a couple days later, her sisters decide they want to go out to a party. And she's like, well, I want to go out too. So she goes to her tree and she says all the things that she's supposed to do. And the tree like drops its leaves and they turn into a dress on her. So the tree strips itself of like its leaves and then they mm -hmm. turn into like a golden gown on her. 
And so she like goes out to this party and as the fates would have it, the king happened to be there and he saw her and was like, dude, that lady is gorgeous. Like, I really want to hang out with her. And so they dance with each other for a while. And as they're dancing, uh, they fall in love. But then he's like, oh, what's your name? I want to know who you are. And she was embarrassed because she's just, you know, Cinderella cat at this point. <laughs> and so she tries to ghost him by just like running off. She's like, bye. Bye. And he sends his guard to like chase after her. He's like, like follow her. And so she turns around and sees that she's being followed. So she tears a piece from her dress and she throws it. And it turns into gold coins and scatters all over the stairs. And so the guy, the servant's like, gold coins. (laughs) Shiny. Shiny. It just starts gathering them up and the king comes out and he's like, what happened to the girl? And he's like, I don't know. (laughs) But I have gold. But I have gold. And so she gets back to the tree and the tree like takes the leaves back off of her it undresses her it strips her and dresses the tree again so the tree's back to normal and she's back to normal it's like missing like a tiny little patch of leaves where the (laughs) gold coins (laughs) where the gold coins that she didn't like return so the next day the king's like i'm gonna have another party so i can see if this girl shows up and so we know she likes to party because we know that the one thing we know about her she likes to dress (laughs) up and she likes to party so he has another party She goes back out to the tree, says her stuff, and this time the tree also gives her all of these, like, people to, like, fix her hair up really nice, and to, so the tree apparently is gaining powers. So it also creates a coach and horses for her to, like, ride on, so this time she's even more decked out, and she goes. And when she again goes to run away, because the king tries to get to know her, She's like, no, she goes to run away. Sir, several servants follow after her. And this time she, when she like takes a piece off her dress and like throws it, it turns into jewels and like pearls and diamonds and stuff. <clears throat> and so the people who are following her again are like, oh, quick, grab like all this stuff. And the king's like, no, not again. Why does this keep happening to me? <laughs> So he throws another party to try to get her to come. And again, she comes out even more like stuff, like all around her. Again, she runs. We know the pattern. (laughs) So she runs. This time she's being chased in the coach and the people are like on horseback. And she's actually (laughs) to her coachman. She's like, use your whip. (laughs) Like whip the people who are following you. And so um, they start to move faster and her shoes like fly off of her feet as she goes. And here's an element that should be familiar to everybody. So her shoes fly off. The people who are pursuing her pick up the shoes and they're like, oh, we're going to figure out who these belong to. What were these shoes made of? That's one of the crucial elements. Or does it not say? It doesn't say. Like it just, Hmm. it just is like, and her shoes flew off. Fair enough. So what's interesting later. So yeah, it doesn't say what they're made out of, but when the king sees them, he's like, I'm going to put these on everybody's feet that I can find. So <laughs> mad woman, child, just, they're going on everybody's care. feet. 
So he's going around trying to figure out like whose feet they belong to. So they invite all of like the women to like kind of gather together so that they can put shoes on all of them. Try on a pair of shoes. But Zazola was scared of like being found out because she again was like, I don't want them to find me. I'm gross. I told my coachman to whip them. Like (laughs) take a hit. I don't want to deal with those. I don't want to deal with those consequences. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, take a hint. So she doesn't show up to the party and they try the shoes on everybody. They don't fit anybody. And the king is kind of like, are these all of the like women that are in the area? And the, uh, the prince, Zazola's dad, he was like, well, I have like another daughter, I think. Like I'm trying to remember. I didn't think she counted because she's kind of the worst. But... Yeah, like she's kind of gross. And I've had her for so long, like the novelty's worn off. But I guess like she's at home. And so the king takes the shoes to their home. And when he gets there... The shoes like fly up and go to her foot. It says as if her feet, it was as if the shoes were iron running to a magnet. Oh, and scientific on us. Yes. And so the shoes just kind of like, you know, fly their way and adhere <laughs> onto like her feet. With like, a loud clank. <laughs> clank. <laughs> and then he knew that it was his princess and they were married and lived happily ever after. The end. Beautiful. I like that version. Me too, because it starts with a murder. Something that's super fascinating about the story of Cinderella is that it is the most common tale type throughout the world. And so it's believed to be one of the oldest tales. Are you getting your kicks on Route 66? If you're passing by the Petrified Forest, make sure to stop in Joseph City on Thursday, Friday, or Saturday for Mr. G's Pizza. Ask for Andy, and if he's there, let him know that he can run from the law, but he can't run from the eyes of Zeus. Grab a slice or a whole pie to go, or enjoy Mr. G's Pizza in the back room, which features theater seats and movies perfect for the whole family. Mr. G's Pizza, the only restaurant in town worth going to. So, people at home might be familiar with the Grimm's Brothers? Hmm, I don't know. <laughs> so Jeff is actually going to retell the Grimm's Brothers version of Cinderella. So this one starts off with the wife of a rich man gets very sick. And she's like, I'm going to die. So I want to talk to my daughter and tell her some important lessons. So she brings the daughter there and the daughter comes and the, and the mom is like, hey, you know what? Always be pious and good and God will take care of you. And then she dies. And so the daughter was like super sad and she went and visited the gravesite every single day and it became winter. And then once spring came around, the dad remarried to the the stepmother and this stepmother had two daughters. And it says that they were beautiful and fair, but that their, um, I can't remember the exact word, basically like their hearts were like evil and dark and they were basically the worst, the original mean girls. (laughs) And, And they were like, you know, when they, they brought her home, they're like, uh, ew, who are you? Like, is this stupid goose going to sit in the parlor with us? I don't think so. Which, you know, the one thing that you can say about them is they know how terrible geese are. And that's like the worst thing that you could call somebody. It really is. Um, that's a heinous insult. 
It's like, what could be worse than being called a silly goose? So they take away all her nice clothes. They give her like an old gray dress and a pair of shoes made of wood. Um, and so they, you know, do the typical mean step sister thing where they are making her cook and clean and do all the chores. And then she doesn't even have a bed that she can sleep in at night. So she just has to sleep on the hearth with all these, you know, the ashes and the cinders. And so they start giving her the nickname of, in the English translation, it also says Cinderella. But in the German, the one bit of research I did, they call her <laughs> Aschenputtel. Which, you know what, like Cinderella is actually kind of like a nice sounding name. So again, they're like keeping on brand and doing the good insults by calling her Aschenputtel, um, which just sounds terrible. Aschenputtel. <laughs> One day the father's like, hey, I'm going to the fair. Y'all can't come, but do you want me to bring you any presents back? And so you know, the stepsisters are like, oh, we want beautiful dresses and jewels. And they're like, he's like, all right, uh, uh, Cinderella, what do you want? And she's like, oh, I just want the first twig that brushes your hat on the way home. And he's like, okay, that's a really stupid present, but sure. <laughs> so he goes to the fair and comes back and he gives, you know, the stepsisters these beautiful dresses and gowns. And even though he offered to get her whatever she wanted, he brings her back this twig that had actually hit him in the head and knocked his hat off. And it was... Uh, a twig of a hazel tree. And so she takes the tree and goes and plants it at her mother's grave. Um, and so she just cries and she cries so much that it waters the tree and causes the tree to start to grow. And she starts going back to cry there and pray there three times every single day. That's and so every devotion. time she, I know, it's a very, yeah, it's very like, sad devotion. I wake up, I eat breakfast, I pray and cry. I, I work all day. I work all morning, lunch, pray and cry. You get the pattern. Um, but every time she goes to visit, there's this magical bird that will come to the tree that will grant her whatever wish that she asked for. But she doesn't ask for anything. So I don't know how she figured out that that's what it would do. Maybe she didn't know. <laughs> yeah. um, but there's this magic bird that she's not taking advantage of. So next thing you know, the king of this whole land is calling for a, like a big festival, a three-day-long festival. And the whole point of this is he's trying to get his like son, the prince, married. You know, so instead of like oh, starting a Tinder profile or whatever for his son, he's like, we're going to have a big party. And, and at the end of this, there's going to be a wedding, you know, so we're going to have the three days thing and then he's going to get married to whoever he chooses. So the stepsisters are like freaking out. They're like, oh, my gosh, we can become princesses. So they're getting all excited. And they make Cinderella get their dresses ready, comb their hair, brush their shoes, shine their buckles, all that stuff, which she does. Um, but then Cinderella's like so sad and she's like, I want to go to the party too, but the stepmother's like, uh, no, I don't think so. But she like begs and begs and begs. And the stepmother's like, all right, I'll tell you what. Here's this bowl of peas. I'm going to throw it into the ashes. And if you can pick up every one of these peas and lentils in two hours, then maybe you can come. So Cinderella's like, all right, well, let's see what I can do. She goes outside, does her special little bird call and calls out to all the like birds around, <laughs> the turtle doves and the pigeons and whatever. And so all these birds come and they start helping her picking up the thing. She's like, you know, put the good ones into this bowl and I, the bad ones. There's like a little rhyme they say. I can't remember exactly what it was. It was like, 
the good ones into the pot, the bad ones go into your crop, which I'm thinking like they can just eat them or <laughs> I'm not exactly <laughs> sure what that means, but that's what she says. Yeah. And it has a nice little rhyme to it. So the, you know, they come and they help her clean them all up. And she's like, in under an hour, she's got all these things done because the birds are helping. She's like, oh, stepmother, look, I've, I've done what you asked. And the stepmother's like, um, no, actually what it meant was if you can get two bowls of these picked up in under one hour, then you can come. So she throws the two bowls into the ashes and the whole thing starts again. Cinderella calls the birds. They help pick up all the stuff. And then she goes back within like half an hour. She's like, look, stepmother, I did what you asked. And the stepmother's like, well, I didn't think you'd be able to do that. And actually you don't have any dresses or clothes that you could wear and you would just look ugly and disgusting and embarrass us. So you don't get to go. So they take off the the mother, the father, and the two stepsisters take off for the the festival. And Cinderella's like, I've got an idea. This underutilized magic bird at my mother's mourning tree. She's so like, she I've runs. been waiting to ask this bird for a favor. I've been, I've been waiting for the appropriate time, and now is it. So she goes, and she goes to the tree, and she says... Uh, again, another nice little rhyme. Shiver and quiver, little tree. Silver and gold, throw down to me. And instead of silver and gold, it produces like a beautiful dress made that was like gold and silver and a pair of slippers that are made of silk with silver woven through them. And so she goes to the ball and when she shows up, everyone's like, oh my gosh, who is this tall glass of water that just walked in the door? This is the new and it like, girl. <laughs> anyway, so she's like the new hot thing in town. And they just think that she must be some foreign princess or something. And so the prince sees her and he's like, this is the one. So he dances with her all night. And whenever anyone comes to try to dance with either Cinderella or him, he's like, nope, she's my partner. We're dancing. And then um, Cinderella's like, "Um, you know what? I kind of want to go home. I've had enough of this party. And so... The prince is like, hey, I'll walk you home because he's like wants to see where she lives, like who, what family she belongs to. She she can like marry her or whatever. And she's like, "Uh, nope. So she like jumps over the wall into a pigeon box, (laughs) which I can only assume is like a chicken coop, a chicken coop or whatever. And so, you know, just as that happened, the prince is like, okay, I'm going to sit here and wait for her to come out so I can follow her. And and at the time. (laughs) Which, like, after you see, like, your date jump into, like, a chicken coop, basically, you're not like, oh, I'll just, I'll just sit here and wait because I'm sure she's the one. That's what I look for in women. (laughs) Exactly. I was like, dude, get the hint. (laughs) But while they're waiting, Cinderella's father comes up. He's like, hey, what's going on? And he's like, you know what? This seems exactly like something my daughter would do. <laughs> so he's like, I wonder if it's her. So they get an axe and they break down the chicken, the pigeon box or whatever. And she's not inside because she'd been able to sneak out the back and then run home. And she, you know, returned the clothes to the tree. And when they got home, the mother, the father and the stepsister, she was sleeping in her normal place in the hearth. I was like, hmm, OK. The next day, the second day of the festival, they go. Same sort of thing happens. As soon as they're gone, she goes to the tree, does her little rhyme, shiver and quiver little tree, silver and gold, throw down to me. And this time her dress is like even more amazing than it was before. Um, and she goes there to, with the prince. She dances all night. And then the time comes, he's like, oh, I want to walk you home. And he's, she's like, nah. <laughs> she, nah. So, so she runs and she climbs up into a pear tree. And it says, literally, she clambered nimbly between the branches like a squirrel. And I'm like, she's in a dress. Like, she's in a super nice dress. And she's just, like, 
at a really nice party and he's like hey can i walk you home and she's like nope and like scurries out the train. it makes me think of like in uh uh nacho libre like the lady like climbs into the tunnels like at the party and just like scurries yeah. into the tunnels in the wall exactly and so the prince is like she was so nimble and quick that he couldn't see where in the tree she went and then you know cinderella's father was watching this and he was like you know what, this is really starting to seem like something that my daughter would do. <laughs> so so he gets an axe and chops the tree down. But, you know, she had already climbed out the backside of the tree before they did that and gotten home, returned her dress, was asleep on the hearth when everyone else got there. So the third day, she goes to the party again, similar situation, dancing all night. And, like, the prince has wise you know, wisened up to the fact that she's going to just bounce as soon as she wants to. So he's hatched a little plan and covered the staircase in pitch. So he's like, oh yeah, if you want to go, just go down the staircase. So she runs away and because the staircase is covered in pitch, it leaves her slipper behind. And this time I didn't mention, but it was like golden. It was a golden slipper. Golden slipper. It's stuck in the, it's stuck in the pitch. She gets home. Yeah, so and the same thing. So she gets home, but this time without her slipper. Um, and again, the dad was like thinking, Cinderella's dad was like, you know, this might be. I'm just glad that like this time, it, she wasn't like, oh, quick into the holes in the ground. Like, yeah. And she quickly burrowed away like a gopher. Because <laughs> like, that was the next thing. She's like gone with the chickens, gone like a squirrel. Gopher was the next place to go. <laughs> So um, the next morning, I guess, I don't know why this happened, but the prince goes to Cinderella's dad and was like, hey, um, no one's going to be my wife except for the person that wears can fit this golden slipper. And so the dad and everyone in the house is like really happy, especially the two stepsisters. They're like, oh, my foot is going to fit in that slipper. And so the mother and the older sister go into the bedroom to try on the slipper and they're like trying to shove it in there. It's like her foot is too big. So the mom's like, She's like, cut off, you know, your toe's too big. You got to cut off your toe so that it can fit in the slipper. So they cut off her toe, puts in the slipper, and the prince is like, oh, okay, it fits. I guess you're going to be my wife. So he gets her in his carriage, and they start riding away, and then they drive past this tree. Not just any tree, the hazel tree that Cinderella planted, and there's these two birds sitting in it, and they're like, their rhyme it differs in the different versions i read but in one they're like rook de goo rook de goo <laughs> there's blood in the shoe the shoe is too tight this bride is not right so these little pigeons like snitch out on the older stepsister and he looks down and he's like oh my gosh what the heck you're bleeding all over the place and then finds out that she cut her toe off they take her back they're like well might be the other sister so they take the younger sister into the room she's putting it in her toes fit in fine but then her heel is just like too big so the mom's like just cut off a piece of your heel. It doesn't matter. Like you'll get away with it for some reason, even though it didn't work the <laughs> it first didn't time. Work last time. <laughs> so they, you know, cut off a piece of her heel, put it in, and the prince is like, "Oh, I guess the shoe fits. All right, hop in my carriage, and away we go. We'll go get married." Again, the birds, rook de goo, rook de goo, blood in the shoe. She's not the right for you, or whatever they say. And there's like, "Oh, dang, what? You're bleeding all over the slipper too. We take you <laughs> back to your dad's house." And he's like, don't you have any other sister, any other daughters? And the guy's like, oh, no, there's only like a deformed little ocean poodle from my first wife. It's like, ah, she can't be it. And he's like, well, you know what? And the mom's like, no, she's so dirty. We can't show her around. So embarrassing. The prince insisted. So they called her out. But first she like washes her hands, washes her face. And hopefully like, he washes know. the shoe. 
and hopefully washes you out of the bloodstained it'll be, shoe. It'll be easier to get on now because it's nice and slippery. Slippery, yeah. So she goes and she, she sits on a stool. She puts her foot in and it fits perfectly. And suddenly when the prince looks up from her feet, because he's just been staring at everyone's feet this whole time, apparently, he recognizes the beautiful face of the woman that he's been dancing with every night. So he takes her off to be married. And so at the wedding... Oh, yeah, this little fact. When they when they drive past with Cinderella, the two little uh, snitched uh, pigeons cry out, Rook-de-goo, rook-de-goo, no blood in the shoe. The shoe is not tight. This bride is right. And so those pigeons go and they land on Cinderella's shoulders and they, you know, one on the left shoulder, one on the right shoulder, and they ride off together. Um, and then so at the wedding... Those birds are on her shoulders and the stepsisters are like trying to curry favor with Cinderella now that she's going to be like a princess. And so they're escorting her into the wedding. But these birds who like (laughs) do not like the stepsisters, they each pluck out an eye from each stepsister, the eye that's closest to them. Yeah. So the sisters sit through this whole wedding ceremony missing an eye (laughs) and then... When they're walking out, they decide, you know what? These birds pecked our eyes out the last time. Let's switch sides so that, you know, that bird had a problem with you. This bird had a problem with me. We'll just switch sides. And so as they're walking out, their good eyes are closer to the birds and the birds pick those eyes out. And so, you know, both stepsister left completely uh, eyeless. Blinded, and yeah. <laughs> Blinded. And the story ends with these words. And thus, for their wickedness and falsehood, they were punished with blindness as long as they lived. The end. Like, yay. And now the children can sleep well at night. <laughs> it's like, turns out the story wasn't about Cinderella at all. It's about don't be a mean girl like this, the stepsisters. So those are two retellings. And fun fact, there are actually thousands of this tale type. And they go throughout the world. So back it in, is surprising like yeah. that they're they're so different but they're also s- such similar elements as well. Yeah. So back in like 1910 there was a guy who was trying to figure out all of the similar elements between tales. He's trying to basically um line them all up try to try to figure out like which ones came first what elements are similar and stuff like that and so it was kind of discovered that the cinderella tale um it's a subsection of what's called the persecuted heroine tale it's like the most common one in the world and actually one of the earliest versions of it that was written down was in greece back in like between 7 BC and 32 oh, wow. AD. Yeah. Yes, that's really yeah. old. Which that's why there you can find it pretty much throughout the world because if if its origins all started in like one spot like the fertile crescent mm-hmm. and then it kind of traveled with people through the world, they'll take it and they'll change little bits of it to be closer to what they have in the Thai version of the story, instead of it being like peas or lentils that like gets thrown into the fire, it's rice. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it makes sense that like, that's an element that right, would be like, more that familiar would change. to those audiences. Yeah. yeah. But the value of, it's interesting that they're, 
the tails often will equate the beauty of somebody with the goodness of that person. Yeah. But also they want to highlight how goodness is more important than beauty. And so it's funny because they seem to like sometimes like like fight each other with themselves. Yeah. Cause they're, they're like, I want people to be beautiful but also they need to be kind hearted. It's more important to be kind hearted, but also you better be beautiful. <laughs> yeah. It's like the Hollywood executives. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Cause it was like in this one, you know, the step and even in the one that you told, like in this one, the stepsisters were all like super beautiful, but they were just like horrible Yeah. people. But then Cinderella is also, she's like kind, but she's also beautiful and like so beautiful. In fact, that when she actually gets dressed up and all that stuff, that she's like, you know, everyone thinks that she's like the most beautiful thing they've ever seen. Yeah. Which kind of seems like, you know, it could be that that's kind of indication. Like people are also seeing through just not just her physical beauty, but like the inner beauty beneath. Even though she doesn't do anything in the story that those people can see. Yeah. That's good. You mm-hmm. know, it's like that kind of shines through. What's inter- I guess. What's interesting to me about the Italian one is that because she commits a murder... At the beginning yeah. of the story, I'm like, well, but how good is her heart? Because she murdered someone. Yeah, she like is willing to yeah. murder somebody, murder somebody for giving her dirty looks. Yeah, it was like not even a. It's not even like, in, not that you, sh- you would be justified in murdering someone for like making you do just all the chores around the house or whatever. But it's like, yeah, you know, it's like, oh, she just looked at you the wrong way, and you would rather have your like beautiful governess be your stepmom instead. So like, you're gonna kill somebody. That is weird. It does make me, that was the one thing I was wondering about. It does seem so, that's one of the things that makes that story the most different. Yes. As far as I'm concerned, the sense that it's like the, that Cinderella is not, like you said, not really that good of a person. Yeah. Like this one, in the grim one, she's like, the good thing is she's like devoted to her mom, you know, rather than like seeking after like gifts for herself. She wanted to do something nice to like commemorate her mother who died. She goes there and cries and prays every day. There is kind of like a very religious aspect of of the of the grim version in yeah. in that sense where we talked about her praying and stuff all the time and her mom's words to her were to always be good and kind or whatever yeah and so she would have favor with god i guess that like zazola the cinderella in the italian version like she got a hint that her governess was not a good person by what her governess was trying to convince her to do yeah but she also but was so she willing also went to with do it. the bad thing yeah. yeah but it's almost as if like she's absolved of the bad thing because it wasn't her idea and then she was treated badly afterwards. Yeah. But it is odd to me that they, you know, had this child commit a murder and then totally let her off the hook for it. Yeah. Well, it's interesting cuz it kind of makes it sort of like I think of something like Kill Bill or something mm-hmm. where the main character is like she's done a lot of terrible things. But the moral of that story, not that there's a moral or anything, but kind of one of the messages is like, you know, when you do bad things, bad things come back around to you. Like she was getting revenge on all these people. And it seems sort of like that's somewhat like a revenge on that governess for having this plan to infiltrate this rich family. Yeah. But but again, at the end, the, the I can't remember the end of that story, actually, but like oh. the governess doesn't really suffer besides no. just it being... Um, yeah you know zazola or cinderella that gets to marry the king so it's funny to me because the the italian version it has like all of its advice it's like violence 
at the beginning of the story. But then yeah. the Grimm Brothers version, it suddenly like takes this turn at the end where they're like, now we're chopping off body parts and like pecking out eyes. So it's like all yeah. the violence is at the end. And so it is funny because the... If you the, combine both stories, you get a full Tarantino movie exactly. all the way through. <laughs> like just a beautiful Tarantino movie, complete with feet. And yeah. <laughs> feet very prominently featured. It's, it's going to be his 10th movie. It's his Cinderella adaptation. I could just yeah, see Yeah, where he's like, let's just combine all the most violent elements, blood squirting out of everything. But it is like the family is, yeah, the governess is not punished at the end. The six sisters who weren't nice to her. The dads also always get off scot-free. Yeah, the dad in the Grimm version was like pretty crappy. Like he never stood up for Cinderella except for getting her like whatever present she wanted. It's same in like the Italian version that he never really gets punished for like his negligence. He always is just like, oh, right, I had another daughter, I forgot. But nothing bad happens to him, even though he keeps... Yeah. The problems that are happening in her life are always being, like, really, like, brought by him. Yeah. (laughs) So... Except she kind of got what she deserved when she murdered her one stepmom to be replaced with, like, the really mean stepmom and the stepsisters. I guess that's fair. (laughs) You're right, that wasn't his fault that that second woman that he married got killed man he lost two wives that's tough yeah well it's just like like you said too like the grim version kind of makes the most as far as like the you can discern the message the most clearly like cinderella never did anything wrong throughout the whole thing except for like sneaking out of the house to go to a party that they were like unjust that she earned yeah like twice over yeah you know that just because her stepmom didn't follow through it's like even all the violence that happens it's not her that's doing any of it or even wanting any of it to be done it's like you know they're kind of doing it to themselves with their own greed that they're willing to you know they want that thing so badly they're willing to mutilate themselves or you know the birds who are these kind of like magical entities that are kind of what's the right word they're like reinstating kind of the the morality of everything they're punishing bad people and and it was a bird that was the one that was giving you know her the dress so they're kind of like blessing her for being good and punishing the wicked stepsisters yeah but yeah i I don't know what to make of that italian one besides it was a fun like you said it was a fun story but it's it's harder for me to to peel out the you know what they kind of felt about what people were doing because like people aren't being punished for bad things that they do and they're being rewarded for not necessarily good things either well the way that the italian story is actually set up is it's within a broader framework of there are 10 women telling 50 tales in mm. 10 days or it might be five tales for 10 days nah. five women over but 10 something somehow like the that. math works out yeah and the reason why they're kind of like telling these stories is like they're trying to like entertain this like big crowd of people before some kind of um event i'm trying to remember if it's somebody getting married or what And so in the broader framework of it, those women say that this story is a story about the dangers of envy, Mm. where they're saying like, oh, because the first mother, uh, well, because they they don't outline, they're just like, this is a story about envy, but they don't wrap it up by saying like, right, they don't explain who the envy is, because it's kind of like, oh, 
so then other people have thought then the envy must be the first mother or the first stepmom was envious of the love the daughter was getting from her father so she deserved to die for that envy but then Zazola was wanted the governess because of envy and yeah, so like... yeah it is very confusing there is kind of the element of like, be careful what you wish for sort of a thing with, mm. I wish you were my my mom. And then she's like, well, here's what you have to do. And then she gets what she wanted. And then it was like, oh, guess what? Your life kind of sucks when you got that governess as your mom because she has these six other daughters who get yeah. treated better than you and everyone forgets about you. You wanted something so badly that you were blinded to the badness of this person because they were always doting on you. You weren't really examining what their outside actions said about them. It's yeah. like, oh, well, that's a really bad person, but they're nice to me. And so I'm going to keep being friends with them. And it's like, well, no, because at some point they're going to turn. And they're yeah. that same meanness that's inside of them, they're going to aim at you when they don't have yeah. a use for you anymore. And that's right. what happened is the governess was nice to her as long as she needed her. Right. But then once she didn't need her anymore, she was like, oh, and you're garbage to me. One thing I thought was interesting about this story, too, complete change of subject was sure. like the birds, the element mm-hmm. of the birds. Yeah. For once, the birds were not like complete jerks in the story, yeah. which was kind of interesting. Yeah. I mean, I make, the ones that were... I make a habit of like saying that the birds are evil, like birds are really bad. But what it is, is I think the birds, what is it? It's like chaotic neutral. Mm. where if you treat them right, they'll treat you right. If they see you doing something bad, they'll do something bad to you. And it's interesting because in a lot of mythology and folklore, fairies are a lot like that. Right. And so anytime you're seeing a fairy enter into a story, you have to be really careful with like how you're treating them because if they see you do something really nice, they might come out and be like, I saw you were really nice. I'm going to help you out. But if they see you doing something like mean, they're like, oh, I'm going to enjoy torturing you. Yeah. (laughs) And so it's funny because it is like the birds in these stories are like, hey, I like what I see in you, Ash and Poodle. I'm going to (laughs) like help you out. I want to do nice things for you. And also, hey, you meanies, give me them eyeballs. Yeah. What One thing that I thought was interesting about the Grimm's Brothers version of the story is that when I saw Into the Woods for the first time, the Cinderella portion of the musical, I was like, I don't understand because a lot of the elements in the Into the Woods Cinderella was not the Cinderella that I was familiar with. Because it did have, like, she would cry at her mother's tree, and then the tree would throw down, like, a dress to her. And I was like, what? Mm-hmm. And then the putting the pitch on the staircase, I was like, oh, I guess, instead of just being like, oh, and then, like, the shoe slipped off. <laughs> it slipped off. Yeah. yeah, and so it was interesting because I just, the first time I saw Into the Woods, I was irritated by those differences from the Disney version that I'd seen, which I right. now know is, like, the Charles Perrault version. Um, so I was irritated because I was like, where are they getting this garbage? <laughs> yeah. They're like from the Grimm brothers. Yeah. And like, well, then you realize, like, oh, they didn't just pull this like out of the air. 
Yeah, and I again, I'm not familiar with like all the different versions that there are either. But it was interesting to see. Like I remember watching the the live action remake of Cinderella, uh-huh. like still the Disney one. But they had this whole thing about like the mother telling her to like always be good and true and. There were some other things that I feel like happened in in that version. I was like, oh, the, and and the same thing, like when he was going to get presents for them, and she's like, I just want the first. Like she did that same thing about like I want the first twig that does it, and you see it as kind of this. It was still changed from this in the sense that her and her dad seemed to kind of still have like a good relationship, especially at the beginning, you know. And that was her like being sweet. It's like I just want a memory of like your good adventure or whatever it it was. Which when I saw that, I was like, where did that come from? And it's yeah. like, oh, it came from the the Grimm story. Yeah. And actually, in a lot of retelling of tales, the dad element gets rechanged a lot in the modern context because... Because, like, doesn't the... Like, in that live-action one, like, the dad dies or something eventually. Like, he's not around. Yeah. And she's just stuck. It's the same with um, Ever After. Yeah. And in, like, the Disney version of the of uh, the tale, the dad is dead. The dad's gone because he's dead, and she's just stuck with her stepmother. Because they don't want to be, like... Oh, there's this like crappy dad that's not doing anything. Yeah. The same thing I've also seen happen with like Hansel and Gretel. Instead of the dad being part of putting the kids in the woods and like trying to uh, get rid of them, instead they just are like, oh, the dad is dead. The dad is gone. Because in our modern sensibilities, we don't want to even imagine that the dad would do that and then also not be punished. We like to see if people do bad things, we like to see them get punished. And so it really is like in any of like modern retellings of the stories, normally because they either, there's not a good way to punish the dad and they don't want to make him part of the problem. And so they're just like, Oh, he's dead. He died. Yeah. And you could totally, and it's like, he is, he, both and both the tales that we told, his behavior was bad. Yeah. He like really bad. Yeah, he got married and immediately was like, "Oh yeah, I totally forgot I had daughter, like another daughter." <laughs> Rude. Yeah. So it is interesting that like in our modern sensibilities, we just we don't want to imagine the parent doing that. We don't want to imagine that you're like that your own parent could treat you that way. Like someone that, yeah, it's like the whole step. It, it's like that in all of, you know, modern Disney stuff. Where yeah. It's like always a stepmom, like the evil stepmom is the evil queen and yeah. stepmom and Cinderella. And okay. Although one thing that Disney took from this thing or whatever is like, you know, the magical birds. I was surprised to see that element in here as far as like, oh, like the birds are actually coming in and helping her with the chores. Yes. But it's like you're saying. Yeah. It was like you're saying too. Instead of her, it's like, oh, they're just friends and they're helping her with all the chores. It's kind of like they came in to help her because they, it's sort of like they saw the mean thing that this stepmother did and they're like, that's not right. We're going to help this girl out because that other lady was being unfair or whatever. I don't know. That when life is out of balance, it's nice to imagine that there are these kind of like benevolent forces that will put things back in balance. So if you're yeah. like, oh, I'm putting all this goodness out into the world and these other people are putting all this meanness and it's it's hurting me unjustly, like it's nice to imagine that there's something there to like balance out those forces, even though that's not always the true experience of life. But it's the point of, like you said, you know, stories. Yeah. Where in stories, things can be the way that we feel that they should be. Yeah. And that's that's why things get changed from stories that were like 
like, oh, it shouldn't be that way. The dad shouldn't be allowed to treat their kids that way and then get away with it, like not be punished like in any way. And so that gets changed because we in our storytelling, like we we want things to be made right and we play with how things can be made right. I think another interesting way to look at it is like, okay, well, why were they so comfortable with dads acting that way in stories? Like, why was that just like something that was fine? And it really was like, uh, dads back in the day really weren't involved with the day-to-day -day of raising their children or with taking care of like emotional needs or any of the real stuff that was happening at home. And so to them, I think it just made sense that like, well, of course the dad's not fully aware of how the stepmom is like treating his kid because he's probably gone traveling or out working in like fields all day or out doing stuff and right it was just kind of normal that yeah that the dad could be so unaware yeah that the dad could be absent and it wasn't uh it wasn't a dig on him it's just like well that's just how dads are you know sometimes they're like is that my kid climbing up into that tree like a squirrel <laughs> nah <laughs> <laughs> better chop it down just to make sure just though. to make sure as you're touching on earlier, it does seem like pretty obvious why this is kind of important today in the sense that it's one of the oldest story types that there is. So we're going to keep running into it over and over, just evidenced by the fact that, you know, even Disney is not happy about how many times they've remade it and they're going to probably do it again, you know? Yeah. Like these stories are going to still be told. Yeah. Like how many versions of Cinderella are like you talk about, like, you know, like um, into Ever the After. Woods. Ever um, After. Into the Woods. It's like it appears everywhere. So it does. And, and, and you pointed out a perfect example of like why it's good to go back and see some of these different versions because when you're watching Into the Woods, that's making kind of a commentary on this whole thing. You're getting the elements like why is the tree throwing clothes down to her? Like that doesn't make sense. It's like, well, it does if you know this version of, of the story. Yeah. It's not just some like bizarre thing that like the author just came up with like on their own. It actually has like a history. and or Or you can't. In the case of things that you know that they did change for themselves, it's like you can help identify, again, what what they're trying to do. Like you said, with the element of like getting the father out of the picture, like you can understand, well, that's not how it was in the original ones, but you can understand what they're trying to do by changing it. Like if you know how it was in the past, you can see the things that are different and then think about, okay, well, this is not in any of the other retellings that they've had. Why would someone nowadays focus on this aspect of it? And you'll be able to kind of dig into that meaning and the message that they're trying to get across with their retelling yeah or as as you look at how other cultures since this is one of the ones that like it goes it's it's all over the place there are even um versions of cinderella that are in like native american folktale that they're kind of like wait how did that get over there um but what's interesting to me is you know people have focused on creating databases to compare all the like similarities to stories because there is value in understanding how stories are similar to each other and trying to trace the origins of them or what it says about our kind of shared humanity that makes us create stories that are so similar. But another thing that's so interesting to me is that when different color, different cultures get a hold of the different, the same story, they will change things. So the thing that is different about each story is also interesting because it says something about the culture that changed it, the culture yeah. that was like, like, no, I, so it'd be interesting to look back and see like what culture there might be 
that took the story, saw how unfair the dad was, and then had something violent happen to him too. Where it's like, and then the like stepmother and her daughters and the dad all caught on fire. And like, <laughs> because that would point to a culture that saw his neglect of his daughter and that culture decided we don't like that we're going to punish this story tale like this uh fairy tale character so that's why i think it's interesting to look at the different versions and why it's important to look at the different versions it's important to know the story of cinderella because as we pointed out it pops up constantly in remakes in western culture um, but also it's interesting to look at how it's changed and morphed and look at other versions to see what those differences are. Because sometimes you find a great one where the Cinderella commits a murder at the beginning. <laughs> Another thing I want to point out super fast at the end is, so sometimes I'll get the critique from someone on online where they're like, oh, well, the original version of this story is so much more violent. Disney often gets this critique from people where they say like, like, oh, the original version of this story was more violent and the daughters lost their eyeballs and cut off their feet. What's so interesting about that is that Disney used an older version of the story than the than the one that they're citing. Yeah, than the one that yeah. they're citing. They used an earlier version. And if you go back and you read the Charles Perrault version, Disney changed almost nothing from oh, wow. the story. And so, you know, people have that criticism. And so I absolutely have no tolerance for people saying the original version of the story, because there is no original. If you say an earlier version of the story then you better be ready to cite sources. <laughs> <laughs> and again, it goes into this thing we talk about, you know, on this podcast all the time of like, it's okay for them to change it and make it more accessible to children yes. because that's what fairy tales have been. You know, that's been part of it. Even, you know, when you were telling this, the Grimm's version of it, you might, to children, you might've changed it depending on, you know, who was telling it. It's like, they're the storytellers. They can change what they want. And what they change, like you pointed out, is important for you to take note of and to know what values that they have and what they're trying to say with it. Absolutely. Super. I hope everybody enjoyed learning some new versions of Cinderella. And I, hope, I know I did. I hope everybody incorporates the most violent versions in their homes and to their children. <laughs> I think what would be interesting is looking looking more at different ones, Cinderella stories that are from other countries. Yeah. That like to actually. You, I, yeah, I hear all the time too. They're like, I've heard that like, you know, they have Native American. I've heard like, oh, this is the Native American version of Cinderella, like the Japanese version. It is crazy how many countries from all over from, I don't know. It's just crazy how many different places have a version and how how similar that it really is. Yeah. Because the elements that they usually share are, it's like a daughter being mistreated by parents and siblings and that a supernatural force helps her to transform and gain the like love and admiration of an, like a rich person. Yeah. Because no matter what time or culture you live in, 
marrying marrying rich is a worthwhile and worthy goal. <laughs> it's the greatest reward that anybody can receive in this life is to marry a rich man. You've been listening to the Fairy Tellers podcast. If you enjoyed what you listened to, please leave us a review or share us with your friends. For more fairy tale content, head over to thefairytellers.wordpress.com for lighthearted retellings or follow us on Instagram for daily fairy tale memes at thefairy underscore tellers. Special thanks go to Andrew Forey for our music and Clarice Inch for our artwork. This episode contains additional music from Kevin McLeod at Incompetech Music. Check him out at incompetech.com. Farewell, and may the blessings of elves and men and all free folk go with you. May the stars shine upon your faces. J.R.R. Tolkien <laughs>